Welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people, the whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit! Throughout the Liberty Communion, it's going. this is International Missions Sunday. So this is the day of Pentecost in the church calendar where key to Acts chapter 2 when the Apostle Peter preaches the first Christian sermon in the history of the church and people from many tribes, tongues, and nations are gathered in Jerusalem. You see some red balloons in our congregation. They were from Holy Trinity earlier this morning. The point being, the balloons, I think this is why they have, or maybe they just like red balloons, I'm not sure. But my interpretation is that in that Acts chapter 2 story, the Holy Spirit descends on this mixed multitude of people and they start speaking as in tongues of fire. So throughout the Liberty Communion of Churches, we are asking all of our churches on this particular Pentecost Sunday to celebrate the work of Jesus Christ going on around the world. And so Derek is the leader of our international partnerships team. He's going to preach to us, and there's going to be a lot of focus on international missions. And as a first step towards that sermon, I would like to invite forward our international partnerships team. And we are going to read our scripture this morning in multiple different languages to be followed by Derek. So IPT, come on up. So the scripture reading, I'm going to start in three, and it's going to go down in different languages. But in English, it's 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verses 1 to 3, in three. Sakratei fimi Paul. Ah, enam onyanku pom pe so inti. O frame se, mime ye Christo Yesu sumafo. Ni onya sostini in chain. Yedi rokoma. Onyan kupon asafo a ewo korinto. Ni won a wofre won se woman ye onyan kupon ifi difo konkron. Ni won a wawo baby ara wobo yen eradi yesu din so se o ye won ni yen eradino. Adom ni esunje a ifi yen eja onyan kupon ni yen eradi yesu kristo. In I'll be reading in modern Greek. O Pavlos, Pukilthike Nagini Apostolos to Christu Isu, Metothelima to Theu, Kyo the first master's tennis. Stin Ecclesia to Theu, Stin Corintho, Sekinos Puyastican and Christo Isu, Keklithican Naginun Aguilaitu, Mazima Olusekinos Pandu. Pu epicalonde to onoma to kereumas isu Christu, to kereutus iticomas, hari ke erini sesas, apotontheo pateramas, ke ton kereu isu Christo. 
Salutación. Pablo, llamado a ser apóstol de Jesucristo por la voluntad de Dios y el hermano Sóstenes, a la iglesia de Dios que está en Corinto, a los santificados en Cristo Jesús, llamados a ser santos, con todos los que en cualquier lugar invocan el nombre de nuestro Señor Jesucristo, Señor de ellos y nuestro. Gracia y paz a ustedes, de Dios nuestro Padre y del Señor Jesucristo. In German. Paulus zum Apostel Jesu Christi berufen, durch den Willen Gottes und Sostenes, unser Bruder, an die Gemeinde Gottes in Korinth, an die Geheiligten in Jesus Christus, die berufenen Heiligen samt allen, die den Namen unseres Herrn Jesus Christus anrufen an jedem Ort, bei ihnen und bei uns. Gnade sei mit euch und Friede von Gott, unserem Vater und dem Herrn Jesus Christus. I'm reading in Telugu. Devani Chittam Valna, Yesu Christi Yoka, Apostolodagan Lutaku, Pilu Badena Paulunu, Sahodradena Susaini Sunu, Corindulona Devani Sangamanaku, Anaga Christi Yesunandu, Pershu the Pershu Badinavari, Pershu the Lagan Lutaku, Pilu Badanavarini, Varikini, Manakunu, Perbubugauna, Manaprobuana, Yesu Christo Namamuna, Pretis Talamulo, Pradinchvarandrikini, Shubamanichepi, Rayanadi, Manatendri and a Devon in Indio, Probuana, Yesu Christo in Indio, Kropasa Mada Namulu, Miku Kalugonagaka. Thank you, everyone. And I apologize because I should have had you stand for the reading of the word when it was being read in other languages because it is still God's word. But please stand now, if you are able, and we'll read God's word together. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus, Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call upon the name of the Lord, our name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's take a moment to pray. Thank you, Father in heaven. We uh, thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you for your church. We thank you for 
your work that you are doing throughout the world. We thank you for those who are willing to come up front and read and for the opportunity to hear your word in different languages. We pray that you would bless this time. We pray that our hearts would be settled as we hear from you and that you would change our hearts. Help us to hear. Help us to have minds that are open and hearts inflamed for you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Have you ever had a phone call that changed your life? Have you ever heard, uh, received a call where maybe you heard a news of a job announcement? Maybe uh, the first time your spouse has called you? Maybe uh, the first time you went on a new date? Or even um, tragic news, the passing of a loved one, a late night phone call from the hospital. You could ask my parents about that. They know what that feels like. Um, but today I want to talk to you about a phone call that changed my life. I want to talk to you about a time where I heard something that set me in a different place, where I was never the same before. Excuse me, I have to put on my glasses. <laughs> in May of 2002, I was on the mission field in Bosnia. I was there on a two-week short-term trip uh, with my dad and his church. We were there to, to support the full-time missionaries, there to, to be on the ground and to get, help them start this new infant church that was just forming. Uh, we went and did many things like clothing and food distribution. We met with people. We drank much, much Turkish coffee and were very over-caffeinated. Um, but one thing that we did on a Sunday morning was uh, this, and this is before the era of voice over IP or even um, internet calling. This is 2002 when prepaid, prepaid phone, uh, phone cards were the thing. Um, so with the limited technology and the down phone lines across the country, calling home to New Jersey was a, was a laborious task. The church that was newly formed, the church in Garazde, Bosnia, met at 4 p.m. every Sunday. That church continues to do so today. And that coincides with the time of our Sunday morning service here. So right now, in Garage de Bosnia, there is a church that is meeting, and they are worshiping God together with us. But back in 2002, there was a prearranged phone call where a man named Awesome, Awesome, he's cool like that. That's how you pronounce his name. Um, he would go, he made a phone call from the church in Garazde, Bosnia to the sending church in New Jersey. And he read these words, greetings to the church in New Jersey from the church in Garazde. Grace, grace and peace to you in the name of the Lord, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This may seem insignificant to you. These words are very common. They're actually the start of most of Paul's letters, but it changed my life and my view of international missions. Most importantly, it showed me how God was using his people throughout the world and calling every tribe, every tongue to be his own. As Jim mentioned, today is Pentecost Sunday, which is the day that the church celebrates and commemorates the ascension of Jesus 
and the receiving of the Holy Spirit in, at the first church in Jerusalem. And we have spared no expense. We have our celebratory balloon <laughs> up there for everyone to see. But it's also the day that God has reversed the curse that came at Babel. Last year on Pentecost Sunday, Jim preached from Genesis 12 about the Tower of Babel and how the curse came and divided the people up in the cultures and languages. And he also spoke about how Pentecost was a reversing of that and how God was bringing people back together, uniting them from different cultures and different languages. They were to be one people. From there, God's church exploded throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Today, like last year, we had our scripture passage read in different languages from around the world. We do this to show the beauty of those languages and the beauty of God's people coming together. But we also look back to that original day where, God, where people from every nation were living in Jerusalem and the people started to speak to them in different languages. We celebrate that God was empowering his mission to go forth as much today as it was back on Pentecost Sunday. During our Prayers of the People segment, we'll have a chance to pray for three missionaries that our church supports. They, these are three family units who have chosen to live and work among a people different from us. Our Liberty Kids are also taking time in their classrooms today, right now, to learn about chil the children of these missionaries and their joys and sacrifices that they are making as they are living abroad. Each classroom is taking the time right now to connect with pictures and stories of their favorite things from their new culture and things that have been hard to leave behind. They are also gonna take some time to pray for these missionary children and their families. In our scripture passage, we read that Paul addresses the church in the city of Corinth with a letter to encourage and strengthen them in their new faith. We'll focus on just the greeting as it opens up the letter, like a phone line connection between two worlds. As we dial into the opening greeting, from here we'll speak in three parts about how God is at work around the globe by calling, community, and culmination. That's one, the calling of international missionaries. Two, the community created by international missions. And three, the culmination of God's work through international missions. Awesome. Inbazi was one of the original members of the church in Gorazde. He called it the first church in Gorazde. It was planted in a predominantly Muslim era. He became a Christian through a pretty surprising method. As the missionary, missionaries soon after the war put boots on the ground, they hired local translators to help them learn the language, but also to cover some of their basic needs like food and clothing and even securing transportation. So they hired these translators so that they could interact with the people. For them, it was a matter of survival. They needed to feed their families and the $10 a week that they made fed their families for months. Awesome had learned English, Spanish, German, French, and a number of other languages, all from the United Nations soldiers that lived amongst them. They needed this to even survive. After the war, when Awesome started working for the missionaries, they heard the messages spoken in English and relayed them in Bosnian 
to the people that the missionaries desired to reach. Ultimately, it was the translators who first came to believe. They were hearing the message, thinking about it, and then translating it into different languages. The, first, the members of the first Bosnian church in Gorazde were all 20-something-year-old men who had worked as translators, and they were unexpected. They never thought that it was this, people, this, this uh, demographic of people that they would reach. In this case, the calling of missionaries to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Garajde, Bosnia, led to a handful of these hired translators believing the very words they transposed. This all came about because the missionaries were called. They were in, there was an international calling to go to Bosnia. They left their home country and moved to an unknown place with an unknown language amongst a people who served an unknown God. Romans 10, 14 tells us about Paul's calling and it says, how then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? God has always used his own people to spread his message. In the first verse of our text, we see that Paul was called by the will of God to be an apostle. His calling was apostleship. So what is this, what is this calling? What actually is an apostle? Well, there are two senses here. There's one, the official usage, right? The original 12 apostles were given authority. They met with Jesus Christ. They met and spent time with the resurrected Jesus Christ. They went out and they started witnessing to the surrounding areas. Paul uses this exact same title that with the authoritative backing of meeting with Jesus Christ to challenge the Corinthian people later on in this letter. And um, Paul's specific calling be, can be found and said, I, in Acts 13, Paul receives this specific calling, which is different than, your, than the others. It says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Here God specifically uses the language of I have made you, or even I have created you, or I have called you. Paul's mission was to go beyond his home and his people to a people who did not know God. In the early church, the 12 who held the official office of apostle, think of it as a capital A, they went out with the full power of the resurrected Christ, using the authority and the gifts God had given them to plant and establish churches in new areas. The other usage is also the word apostle, but it's with a lowercase a. The, the, those who are messengers or diplomats who go forth to bring that message to another. In contrast, they don't have the same authority that the original capital A apostles had of writing scripture and performing miracles. But in a similar way, churches, they establish churches in new places. They carry the same message, a message which does not change from people to people or year to year. In both cases, this calling to be an apostle or a messenger is God-initiated and God-driven. It is not self-propelled. This calling also has the authority of coming from God and that God and God-given motivation to fulfill it. Taking the, the message of the gospel to those near and far, domestic and international, 
is a calling every, for everyone who believes. It is the will of God and is expressed not as a suggestion, but as a command by the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of Matthew's gospel. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. Observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always until the very end of the age. It is with this command that Jesus promises to go with the apostles always. The mission is to make disciples. The mission is to baptize these disciples. The mission is to teach them who God is and what he commands of them. It is in the lowercase a apostle that the missionaries went forth to share the gospel with the people of Garage Day. It is with the lowercase a apostle that awesome also goes forth and shares it with his friends and neighbors. And this is why Liberty Collingswood partners with international missionaries. We have the opportunity to partner with them in the work that God is doing around the world from our homes here in New Jersey and abroad. We also have opportunities to connect with them and to hear about the ways God is working in and through them as they seek to reach the people who God has called them to be. Liberty Collins would also value sending out our own. In July, our own deacon, Kathy Santabanez, will be going uh, on a short-term trip with the other members of the Liberty Communion of Churches to a small country in Africa called Eswatini. Kathy, knowing that God has called her for, for this short-term trip, has reached out to you to partner with her. In doing so, you have, you have met that need. You have chosen to stand along with her and support her to be an, an apostle of God's message. She is fully funded thanks to your partnership. Before she leaves, you know, before she leaves in July, we'll commission her to go, send her out, and ask God to work through her as she is away. In a similar way, you can partner with our other missionaries through prayer, finances, and even friendship. Feel free to ask a a member of our international partnership team, of whom I'm included, for their address. Send them a quick note of thanks. Send them a note of encouragement. When they're home here in the States, have them over for dinner. Take time to reach out and meet them. They would love to get to know you and love to know who is standing with them and behind them. It is also in this more general use of apostleship that we are called here to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Christ in Collingswood, and its surrounding boroughs. One doesn't have to fly across the world to see God at work. Sometimes the opportunities are on our very doorstep. A few weeks ago, uh, my wife was out for the night, and after putting my daughter down, I went to lock the front door, and I noticed something strange. On my very doorstep was a teenage girl that I've never seen before or never met. I didn't ask her to come over. I didn't know why she was even there. I was at a total loss, unsure of what to do. I prayed and I asked God, what should I do? Who was this person on my step? Are they looking for me? Are they looking for my wife? Are they trying to get some help? What's going on? I texted my wife and I let her know. I wanted to be safe. I wanted, her, I wanted myself to be safe. I wanted my daughter to be safe. But most importantly, I wanted this teenage girl to be safe. 
I didn't want her to feel threatened. I, I opened the door and I, I turned the light on and I offered her water and snacks to see, but she didn't want anything. She said she just needed to rest. It started getting darker and darker. And I went back and checked an hour later and she was still there. I had no idea how long she would be there or what I was even supposed to do. I didn't suggest that she needed to leave or even go home because it was dark out, but I did fear for her safety. I didn't feel comfortable inviting her into my home because it would have crossed some boundaries that wouldn't be proper. What she needed was a place to rest without asking. And she was getting that. Nothing has come of it since. And I haven't seen her around ever since that day. But this weekend, on Friday, when I was preparing the sermon, a very similar thing happened, where a group of landscapers set up camp on my front yard. And I keep asking myself, what is it about our house that attracts people? Why are they sitting on our doorstep? Our house isn't any better, and I haven't cut the grass in over a week, so there's nothing pretty there. Um, that's why I asked my wife, and she said, I was like, what is so normal about our house that would attract people to it? It's just the same as every other house. And she responded with, but it isn't. It's the Holy Spirit. God is at work, and people are showing up on your very doorstep. I don't know how to reach these people, but they're here. There are opportunities that abound, and all you have to do is ask God to take part in it. I do have a friend who's a pastor, and he would take time every morning and pray over his shoes, and he would say, God, wherever these shoes take me today, let me be a blessing to those I come in contact with. Let me share your word, and let me share what is important for them to know. Another way that God chooses to use Christian missionaries around the world is by calling them to plant churches. These are communities that bear the name of Christ. When Liberty Collingswood's International Partnership team was newly formed during the heart of the pandemic, I asked Steve Huber, our, the, the, uh, the network director, what criteria should we have for missionaries who go out. If a missionary comes to us and says, I want to be supported, and, you know, what should we use to say, yes, we will get behind you, and what won't, we, what won't we support? He says three things. They need to be gospel-centered, they need to be called by God, and they need to be involved in church planting. Church planting is what God is doing around the world. And it's one of the main tenets of the Christian missionary movement. It traces its roots all the way back to Paul's letter that we're reading today. Paul in our text addresses the church he planted many years before. He addresses the church's identity in the second verse. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sac sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Paul, Paul describes the people of God in Corinth as those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. They are called to be saints. As the church was planted, church leaders, including Paul, continued to care for the new church by leading them deeper into a knowledge of who God is and what he is making them to be. Um, Ed Welch is a 
He's a beloved professor of mine. He's a counselor, and he's even a member of one of our Liberty Churches. And he said about sanctification, sanctification is the active motion of pointing your face towards Jesus Christ and walking in that direction. The closer you move towards Christ, the more you see parts of yourself that are not like him. The more you see parts of yourself that are not like him, the more you ask him to help you change. The more that you do not, you do see him, the more you are drawn to his holiness. If you divert your attention and take your eyes off of Christ, you start walking towards something else. Whatever that else is, that is what you are being made like. When I went through missionary training, um, one of the requirements was to take a class called Perspectives. And this Perspectives class was to help future missionaries see the gospel in its purest sense and to get us to leave behind our American culture. The aspect of American culture should not be going with us because it's the gospel that we're bringing, not Americanism. The gospel speaks into all cultures and people of all nations. It doesn't differentiate. But it is the marks of the culture we grew up in that needs to be left behind. A church that bears Christ's name must also seek to be like him. If this is what sanctification on the mission field is, what it is not is planning churches that mirror what we have here in America. The world doesn't need more Americanism infiltrating their culture. And the only place in the world that needs more Americans in churches is actually America. This morning you heard scripture read in six different languages. Despite these barriers, God through his people is actively bringing people from every country. Hear Paul's words in verse two, every place. No matter the culture, no matter the language, God is making a way to cross barriers and expand his kingdom. God wills and desires his people to reach all nations. Christian mission, missionaries are bringing and bridging the gaps uh, to speak God's words to people who are very different from themselves. God is using missionaries to go wherever others haven't gone before. And as we look at like, we think, okay, is this a new thing? Is this just new in the New Testament? The Old Testament's, you know, under Adam we have covenant relationships and the covenant of works given to Adam, you know, the agreement between Adam and all people, or agreement between Adam and God was for all people, all his descendants. When we move to Noah, it was for all of Noah's descendants, right? All those who survived the flood. As we moved further along through time, we see that was given to Abraham, which we you know, heard about recently in our preaching series through Genesis. And that was given just to Abraham's descendants. So those covenant relationships seem to be compressing more and more and more and getting smaller and smaller, with David being, through David's lineage, the Savior will come. And then comes Jesus. He establishes a new covenant. And from that, the gospel goes out to all nations again. It's a complete reversal. It's instead of a compressing, it's an opening up. And this is worth celebrating. The church being of every nation seemed new at Pentecost, but it was spoken about long before. The prophets spoke about it. Even the passage of Paul's calling to be a light to the Gentiles was spoken about in the prophet Isaiah. When we think of God's work 
and establishing church among the nations, we should have a spirit of thankfulness. Thank you, God, that you're not excluding me because of my culture. Thank you, God, that you are not excluding me because of my language. Thank you, God, that you've been calling people for centuries to be your own. And thank you, God, that you have brought and raised up people to, to fulfill that calling. How many of us here today would actually be here if somebody didn't speak to us? How many would be here? Would this church even be here in America if somebody didn't bridge the gap coming across to a different culture? And what would our church today look like here in Collingswood, New Jersey, if we followed the example of the Christianary movement? Would we be better at reaching our neighbors? Would we do a better job at overcoming cross-cultural barriers and welcome truly outsiders into God's church? When we hear about the Christian missionary movement, current social trends offer up much criticism. Many claim that it does more damage than good. Some associate Christian missionary movement with colonialism and a continued suppression of non-European people and asking them to conform to a certain religious standard. Many missionaries have been accused of carrying their white European cultures to other places, making carbon copies of their churches in other countries. And the Christian church is not completely free from all these accusations. Certainly the church is and does share in much of this guilt. So why should you engage in missions? Why shouldn't Liberty Collingswood just focus on its efforts here in Collingswood and negate everything that's going on overseas? Why would anyone want to take part in such a movement with such historical hatred? If you have come here today and you are not a person of faith, we welcome you. We're thankful that you are here. And we realize that talking about Christian missions it's a difficult thing. It is another strike against us who call ourselves believers. And it even seems to be very outdated. The struggle is even difficult for those who are people of faith. You may also feel like you don't want to be a messenger. You don't want to be an apostle in that lowercase a sense or be associated with people who do. Maybe you are a person of faith but you lack the drive and motivation. When you weigh the cost to you and your family, missions locally and internationally seem so foreign. To be honest, I struggle with this every day. I have been talking about going overseas to Bosnia for two decades now. I have taken steps forward and I have taken steps back. I have taken steps to gain approval, to get ordained, and I've lost all those. I've even started raising support and yet I never got there. More than all this though, why would our missionaries, people like Mark and Rachel Kim, sell their home in West Philly and move to Japan and crowd themselves in a two or three bedroom apartment? Why would Ishmael and Toko leave the abundance that is here in the United States and go to Malawi and set up love-driven ministries where there's food scarcity where there's a chance their kids may not eat and there's such political upheaval. Why would Paul Carey, a single man, move all alone across the world to Cluj, Romania 
I not only have to learn Romanian to connect with people, but also learn Hungarian. Lastly, why would our own Kathy Santavanias put herself in a place of vulnerability and use part of her summer missing out on her beloved Phillies season? Nothing happens in the second half of the season anyway, right, Kathy? <laughs> to take a trip to a country in Africa, why would she go? Nobody's ever heard of Eswatini, and she doesn't know anybody there. People always ask me, where is Eswatini? But just so you know, it's in South Africa. South Africa is on the very base of the African continent, and it's a little tiny dot surrounded by South Africa. <laughs> but why would she go? If you look around the U.S., even the globe, you'll see many hospitals and schools affiliated with the church, religious children's rescue missions. These were all established for people who didn't have an advocate. Many local missions were set up to care for the physical needs of all the people that they had hoped to reach with the gospel. Throughout history, Christian missionaries have associated themselves with royalty and government officials. Many spoke into the ear of the ruling party using their influence to sway the rulers against such things as polygamy, child labor, slavery, and even more. I could argue historical viewpoints with historical viewpoints, but when you weigh the scales, are these things really enough? The truth of it all is that there has to be a more motivating reason. Our world is actually dependent upon it. No matter where you are in your faith journey, you have been influenced by the Christian missionary movement. If you're a person of faith, someone had to share the faith, their faith with you and someone with them and someone with that person and on and on and on, tracing its roots all the way back to the original apostles. God is at work. God is at work. No matter how much people deny it, God is still going to work. God is still going to be sending his messengers and planning churches. He cannot be and will not be stopped. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he continues to send forth his messengers, planning churches so that they can bring his good news to a people he wants to call his own. In 2008, I, I was living in Bosnia for the summer. I was in seminary and I was interning at a church and they had said, it would be great for you to get some cross-cultural ministry. I said, great, I want to go to Bosnia. So they sent me there, you know, covered my expenses, which was great. Every day I walked the street. Took me, it was about two miles to get to the center from where I was living. And I had just come out of gospels class. And in our gospels class, we spoke about the kingdom of God and the expansion of the kingdom of God and all that was going on. And I said, God, where is your kingdom here? We sing that song, God, your kingdom is here. But where is it? It doesn't seem like it's here in Bosnia. This is a dark area. There's a, you know, only a few believers who actually live in this city. I kept asking God, what are you doing? I left the country continuing to ask these questions. With God at work around the globe and in Kongswood, you can either take part or you can um, hold back. God keeps sending out those he loves. That church in Garaste Bazi is slowly growing. But is it even worth it? It is. And the reason why is because of Jesus Christ. The message that he gives is one of free grace. God gives without asking in return. 
God saves without any demands upon you. We all come to the table with, em with empty hands. We have nothing to give. And God welcomes us. Every tribe, every culture, every language, all people. God is asking. And God is working. God had sent his son to die to take on our debts. God has sent his son. And that son... And the message that he gives, free grace given to all people, is worth declaring, no matter what the return on the investment. Jesus Christ is honored, and he should be honored amongst every people. God's message, the good news of salvation, is worth sharing. And it is grace, it is this grace and peace that ties every Christian church around the world to the globe. Awesome words of grace and peace to you, similar to Paul's in this passage, are one that speak of the message of the gospel. You can't have peace if you don't have grace. And there are people who are living without peace because they have no grace. This grace and peace is a common thread and it traces itself all the way back to the resurrection. And it will keep going because God himself will be calling and motivating people to go. The question that comes to you is, do you want to be part of it? God doesn't join you in what you're doing. God gives you the opportunity to join him. He is working through all nations, all languages, and through everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Will you take part? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.